guys, welcome back to Starring Milana. I'm your host, Milana, and this is episode eight. Oh my god, we're here recording episode eight. Um, if this is your first time listening, do remember that there is a visual to this podcast. You can visit youtube.com forward slash starring Milana. Please remember to subscribe, leave a comment. Uh, give the video a thumbs up, whatever you have to do. And if you're listening on a podcast app, please subscribe, leave a rating and a review. Also, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Starring Milana. So, you guys, I'm kind of nervous because this is my first guest ever on my podcast. Um, I went back and forth thinking about who should be my first guest because, you know, it's a big deal. And you know what? Who better than the person that gave me my first hosting opportunity? Um, six years ago almost. Okay, actually. So, welcome to Starring Milana, Mr. Carlton Epic. Hey, what's up, Milana? Hi. This is amazing. Thank you. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me. Your first guest is an I honor. Know. Right? So special. Um, so, before we go into this podcast, I want you to kind of tell everyone a little bit about yourself briefly because we're going to tap into our journeys a little bit later on but um your bio on instagram says creative entrepreneur yes let's talk about that yeah creative entrepreneur uh social entrepreneur uh so my day-to-day right now is an entertainment director Mm -hmm. so i pretty much uh work with artists and their managers and coordinating their tours from inception all the way until the end when they go out on the road and working with their managers while they're out on the road. Um, but I consider myself a creative entrepreneur. I'm not necessarily one of those like just number guys mm-hmm. who just like knows how to like figure out different business ways. But more, mine is more like about social impact, more about creative opportunities and figuring out ways to make money off of that. Mm. Um, so it all goes back six years ago, kind of like you said, with Project Pit. Um, I thought I was going to be a rapper, but that didn't work out for me. Dang so I was now. like, it's never too <laughs> right? late. Never too late. <laughs> every time I hear corrupt, uh, I, I think about you. <laughs> I was with Ari and then we heard corrupt. He's like, Milana. <laughs> Anyways, but um, uh, yeah. So after the music career didn't really work out, um, transition <laughs> into Project Pit. And I just thought it should be a space where artists could really perform and just have a safe haven to mm-hmm. just kind of network and be themselves and hopefully get discovered. Mm -hmm. So that's what that started with. And then I transitioned into radio because I figured, well, I need to either be a part of a record label Mm -hmm. or a radio. So I interned at the radio station, got hired there, and yeah, the rest was kind of history. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, You guys, please stay tuned for the last (laughs) segment because it's going to be, I'm just going to go ahead and say epic, right? We're going to talk about both of our journeys individually. Um, But before we do that, we have to get into the other two segments. So here at Starring Milana, we have three segments. The first one is BTS, which is behind the scenes where we kind of catch up with my previous week and just tell you what's been going on. The second segment is called Talkworthy, in which we pick a few things going on in the media and kind of offer a new perspective if there's one to be dealt, okay? And the third segment is called Dropping Gems, in which we pick a topic of the week and drop a few gems and hopefully inspire a few people. So, BTS. Um, Nothing much has been going on this week for me. It's been cold as fuck. (laughs) Super cold. 
so cold. Right. Is this the coldest it's ever been? I in feel LA? like it has. It was ice on top of my car when I right. got out. It was crazy. It's like snowing in some parts. Yes. Yeah, I heard it like in Malibu or something like that. There was snow. Was it Mal- Calabasas? So. Calabasas, yeah. there it is. They had the fire, now they had the snow. Oh my God. Good balance. Good balance. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who are, by the way, we have 26 states of people who listen. Oh, wow. And for those of you who are in the Midwest or Jeez. on the East Coast, you're probably laughing at us talking about how cold <laughs> it is. But when I wake up in the morning to work out, it's like 38 degrees. Yeah, That's cold. fucking freezing for Hell us. Hell yeah. You know, I grew up in Russia and that was cold, so I know cold, but like being here, this is cold for us. Yeah, that's nah, crazy. Speaking of working out, <laughs> so I work out at Orange Theory, right? Okay. Um, I work out a lot, but I work out so I can eat whatever the fuck I want, okay? Ah. So I had a crazy workout on Monday, and then I had a bag of munchies for dinner. <laughs> so it worked out because you yeah, worked out balance. and you can Life eat. Life is all about nah, balance, makes sense, right? right? <laughs> I had cravings. Um, you also work out in the morning. Yes, Speedos and Durags come in summertime. Hello. That's my goal. Um, <laughs> but outside of that, it's really just good for me, therapeutic. Uh, so yeah, getting up every morning, every time I do it, I feel like, my days go so right. well, yeah. so well. When I don't wake up and work out, I feel like I'm dragging my feet right. through the day. Yeah, I love it. So. What time do you wake up? Uh, five thirty-six. Yeah. yeah, get it in around that time before like that seven thirty rush crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do my thing and mm-hmm. you know, speedos yeah, and durags. Okay, speedos. Yeah. Hashtag speedos and durags for Ready the summer. For it. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? Oh, so Lena and I are in a book club of two. Oh wow! Yes. <laughs> what book? It's really successful. We're reading Becoming by Michelle Obama. Okay. It's a really long book really? to be our first book of the of the year of the book club. <laughs> um, but we're almost done with it. It is fucking incredible. Are you guys recruiting or is it just you two? We would love for people okay. to join. We're, okay. we, we ask people every week and I mean, no one's really tried to join. Um, my best friend Josh said he would think about it if we, <laughs> if we picked a book that we that he liked. Got it. Um, so we're reading Becoming and by the way, you should read it. What's it, what is it about? It's about Michelle Obama from when she was like a little girl from where she was born. It was like about her story, her journey, and then like everything where uh, Barack came into picture when they started campaigning. Stuff right. that you never really knew because it's coming from her side. Got um, it. And it's really interesting. And I learned so much about Barack that it's just, I don't know, I just so much more respect for the man just Got by it. reading this book. I've been so emotional. Like I read and I get like teary eyed oh, wow. at night. Like it's a really, yeah, it makes me like, I don't know, just... It's a crazy story. Like, their whole story is amazing. So, um, we're almost done with that. You like to read. I do. So, we are looking for some suggestions. Okay. We have a, like, a list of books right now. Um, the four that we're considering at the moment is, we haven't read 48 Laws of Power. That's good. We have not read um, The Untethered Soul. I haven't heard of that. Or A New Earth. Okay. These are, like, Oprah's favorite books. So, we're thinking about those two. And the other one is um, Devon Franklin's new book, The Truth About Men. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> so, we're kind of in between those right. four books. We want something that's a little bit of an easier read, um, just so that we can get book two out of the way, because we, we said we were going to read five books this year, and okay. this one took quite some time. Are you guys almost done? We're almost done. Okay, yeah, we've got about a week or so left. Two weeks, maybe. So... Yeah. Almost done. 48 laws, that's pretty long though. Is it? Very long. Like 400 pages yeah, around long. there? Okay, it's so long. maybe we wait for that. That could be like yeah, the third book. Yeah, okay, like but the, is it good? It's good. It's yeah. a little, okay, they like, well, I'm not thinking about this right now. Or really? like, just a little manipulate, manipulation, little stuff, but you know. Like, he, like, he, like the yeah. author is like trying to get into your head. You're exactly. Saying. Ooh. About certain tactics on what you can, you know, do for other people and, you know, gaining your power. You know, never Ooh. outshine the master, things like that. Um, See, it's really good, though. Oh, it's, it's like just, a mind fuck. Yeah, it makes you think, though. Like, dang, do I really want to do this? But hey, it makes sense, though. 
Yeah. I don't she want check Le- it out, I don't though. want Lena to try to think that she's going to just come in and overpower my right? ass. Maybe we don't need to give her that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, wait. So, okay, so that's a good one. I did, what are, you, are you thinking about reading The Truth About Men? Uh, the truth about... I was thinking about it, but I just don't want to feel guilty for anything that I may be doing right now, so... Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> no, nah, I'm joking, well, but no, nah, I'm definitely down to check it out. Yeah, I mean, I like him. I've never read any of his books. Um, it's getting a lot of good feedback, though. Really? So, considering it. Now, I read his first book. Uh-huh. Uh, actually, it was his second book, The Wait, with him and uh, his mm-hmm. wife. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good. Just kind of encouraged you to wait and, you know, relax. Did it Did it encourage you to wait? It did, because you remember I was going through <laughs> yes. my celibacy tip, and I was, you know, and I kind of waited. Uh-huh. Um, maybe you should read that book again. Yeah, maybe again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, what else is going on this week? Oh, so next week is Lent. Okay. I don't do the like official Lent where you kind of like fast, you give up dairy meat. I don't do all of that. I just give up one thing and it's usually bread. Okay. So I give up bread until Easter. Um, so that's like a whole month. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A little over a month. And I give up Easter. I give, I give up Easter. I give up bread. <laughs> um, so I am just indulging in all of the bread I can this week. Um, do you do Lent? Have you done it? I've never done it. You should try I'm, it. I'm down, but it could be anything. You can go up anything. I okay. mean, it's not the official Lent, but this is what I, you know, and then I, I and I never cheat. I have never cheated. Never, because, ever. No, Jeez. because I, it's like, I'm like, hey, God, I'm giving up this for, it's like a sacrifice, Got you know, it. even though it's like an, an unofficial one, it's a sacrifice. So it's like, oh, I can't eat this bagel right now. Like, <laughs> I told God I wasn't going to do it. So, um, yeah, I give up. I give up bread. And it's good before Damn. the summer. Nah, it makes sense. Right? Especially, you know, trying to get my mm-hmm. buff on. You might be on Yeah, Speedos and Durags. Right. <laughs> um, what else is going on? Oscars. Uh, so, you guys, if you're watching or listening to this, you're going to hear this on Monday. Um, we are recording on Saturday. So, the Oscars are tomorrow. Are you going to watch them? Probably not. No? I'll probably catch up with the recap yeah. like, on Monday or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. But I'm not gonna, probably going to watch it. You're over the Oscars? Yeah. Why are you over the Oscars? It just gets too long. Oh, I was going to yeah. say Kevin Hart. But yeah, no. Nah. So, they don't have a host. They still don't, right? I don't think so. They could have uh, called me. Right. Hop in. They could have called you. Right. Somebody. I think you would have done great. <laughs> Wait. So so do you... Have you seen any of the movies that are nominated? Uh, nah. You got to catch me up. No? Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of them. Most of them. The one that I... Th- I mean, I loved A Star is Born. That's the one that I'm rooting for. You should watch it. Uh-oh. Bradley Cooper's dope. Damn, he I'm killed excited. It. And Lady Gaga. So we'll see. I think it's you should be- crash the Oscars and take over. You know, snooze fest. I don't think so. It is boring. <laughs> right. I have to say. It's a pretty boring show. Yeah. So I'm going to watch it just for shits and giggles. But yeah, it's it's a snooze fest, I yeah. think. Um, <laughs> all right. Anything you want to mention about your week? Uh, anything to mention? Nah, we talked about the workout, mm-hmm. fitness. Um, yeah, no, nah, I'm just happy to be here right now. Yeah. Okay, all right, here we go. All right, guys, so we're going to move on to the talk-worthy segment. So, again, these are things that happen in the media, and obviously there's a lot that happens in the media throughout the right. week, so we're going to just pick, I don't know, a couple things to discuss. Um, I have to tell you, I have been scratching <laughs> my fucking head all week. I am confused. What is going on in the world? Seriously, so much. So much okay. So much. And the three things that I'm like confused about, I'm gonna just call them the three J's, okay? The three J's have confused me all week. I I don't even know what type of opinion to form. <laughs> Do you know the three J's? Uh Ja Rule. Yep. <clears throat> uh Jesse. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me the third one. Jordan Woods. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <sighs> Holy guacamole, you guys. What the fuck? Let's start with Ja Rule. Yeah. Why would you want to throw another festival? 
Yeah, I don't think people are going to like take that, especially after watching the documentary and just seeing all the behind the scenes. It's Listen, just like, no. Look, I'm always trying to be understanding and look at the other side of things, right? And I try to look at the other side of this one. You know, and there's a few things that came to mind. You know, if at first you don't succeed, sure, get up and <laughs> try again. again. Sure. But let me tell you something. They had no business throwing the first one in the first place. Yeah. Like, I'm in the events <laughs> industry. I've been doing this for a long time, and I know logistically how much goes into an event this was not even a regular event the fact that they didn't know what the fuck they were doing nobody knew what they were doing except i think the audio people yeah, and they got fucked crazy. in the end no one knew what they were doing and still continued on with it they had no business it's like why <laughs> would you like why would you think you wouldn't do it again right I don't even know why he wants to do it. maybe just attention at this maybe, point maybe yeah. you know and that's really unfortunate because right. you know i really just want his legacy to be Murder Inc. You <laughs> know? That's your boy. That's my boy. Right. You guys, I used to love Ja Rule. I wrote him a pen pal letter when I was nine years old. Damn. What did you say? Hey, dear Jeffrey. Jeffrey, I guess his, real his name. name. Yep. Dear Jeffrey, <laughs> she knows the whole name. I'm your biggest fan. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I thought I was going to be a part of Murder Inc. That's crazy. I thought I was going to be a rapper, by the way. I don't even know this. <laughs> I thought I was going to be Charlie Baltimore and Vita and like hang out with Murder Inc. Yeah. Do you give your audience some little rap bars? No, no, I'm good. No? I'm good. Okay. It's locked away in my little rap book somewhere. I have a rap book. It was oh, really humiliating. If anyone ever finds out. it, my life is over. No. <laughs> I want to see this. <laughs> it was bad. Um, so, yeah, Ja Rule, no. Okay. Hmm. Jesse Smalley. Yeah. That, <laughs> I'm trying to understand the logic. Right. The, I'm sure there was a team behind this, thought about this with him. I'm assuming. So you think he? You think that? You think that this is? He I did think this. so. The check, um, just the footage. You know, I just read this morning on TMZ that the check was actually for training services. Ah. It was, the memo said for training and nutritional service. I literally read this oh, wow. like an hour okay. ago. Um, you Sheesh. guys, I just, I just can't believe this is true. Like Lena and I talk about this all the time. You know, she said that if this is true, then she just she doesn't even know anything anymore. Like yeah, she she true. wholeheartedly doesn't believe that this is true. She said she would cry yeah, that, if this was true. Um, which is which is kind of how I feel because it makes you like lose hope in humanity that this type of shit is yeah, going on. It's crazy. It's crazy, but I just don't see why he would do it. There's no logical explanation, right? At all. But they're saying like for a salary, but it's just like why well, do something like that just for that? I like, just you know what? With everything that's going on in the media, plus conspiracy theories, that there are some I believe in. I just can't. I just can't believe this. I need yeah. to hear the rest of the story. Yeah, I need it to develop it. To see how everything's gonna go. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't know. Everything Sheesh. is fake these days. So we'll see. Oh, yeah. We'll see. All right. The last um, J in this thing is Jordan Woods. Right. So for those of you who don't know. I have something for this one. Oh, oh Carlton yes. got something for this one. He pulled out his <laughs> yeah. second trap post. So he got something for this one. Do you have uh, receipts? Or I know. It's just something I found online, which I thought was funny. <laughs> okay. Jordan Woods is best friends with the world's youngest billionaire mm-hmm. who gives her with cars, diamonds, and lavish vacations. You're telling me there's a chance she gave all that up for a guy who rides bench for the calves and has a community dick. Community recycled <laughs> dick. That is exactly what oh, I was thinking. Yes. Listen, okay. Uh, this is also, I'm really skeptical about this one. This one is also for me very hard to believe. Why? I just don't understand why. It doesn't make sense as to mm-hmm. why she would do this. I don't know how real this is. Right. I don't know if this is for the show, if it's for rating. So the way we're going to speak about this one is hypothetically. Like if it's true, okay, okay. guys? If it's true, who do you feel bad for in this situation? Chloe. Uh-huh. Just had the kid. Uh-huh. 
you know, I'm not a woman, but I can only imagine the stress of nine months not being able to do a lot. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, the person that's supposed to be there with you, hold you down, is putting you through some emotional and just mental warfare. Which he did before right? she gave birth, exactly. literally. Because uh-huh. she went through all that mental and just kind of emotional and kind of public humiliation mm-hmm. uh, when she was having the baby. And then now it's like, okay, I'll give him another chance. Maybe he'll get his act together. You know, I feel like she's allowing him in his life, her mm-hmm. life at this point. And then... To kind of deal with this again, it's just like, damn, another slap in her face. Mm-hmm. If it's true, hypothetically. If it's true, hypothetically. Allegedly. Um, I think most people feel bad for Chloe. Right. I'm just going to go ahead and and do what I do best and uh, say that the real victim here is Kylie. Kylie. Why Kylie? This is the real victim. Kylie. This is why. I thought you were going to say Tristan. Hell to the nah. <laughs> Hell. Let's, actually, let's start with Tristan. Why he's obviously, because, you know, if, if this is true, ain't shitness continues. I don't yeah. feel bad for him, right? Jordan, you know, she's 21, she's young, made a mistake maybe. I don't know. If if this happened, I don't know what she was on. Maybe she right. was on something. Who knows? <laughs> but what I'm, I don't, you know, she fucked up and so don't really feel bad, okay? Um, even when I was young, I wasn't making these types of bad decisions. <laughs> Chloe, look, it's never okay to be cheated on. It's never okay to feel that way. But I'm a firm believer that when somebody shows you who they are, believe them the first time, right? First time, Okay. And I'm sure when the first time it happened that we found out about it, I don't believe that was the first time. I think that was the first time publicly that it came out. So I think this is just an ongoing thing. Um, So I, you know, it sucks. She's in a bad situation, but you already knew, you know, you already knew what type of person he is. (laughs) Obviously, it's a different form of betrayal because it's someone you know, someone that she was probably driving around to school when they were young. I mean, this is a different thing. So yeah, it's fucked up. But the reason why I feel worse for Kylie is because this is like a sister to her, okay? Most people are saying like, oh, this is an easy decision for her. Uh, Blood is thicker than water. Like, that's family. (laughs) But that is her family. True. She grew up with her. She was friends with her way before all of this. She lives with her. She travels with her. She takes care of her baby with her. I mean, look, we all have friends that do stupid shit. Right. Right. I have friends. Who, a lot of them. I have friends that do shit like this, right? Stupid shit. Yeah. And what do you say? What you don't stop being friends with them. You're just kind of like, damn, bitch, that was dumb. Like, don't do that <laughs> shit again, right? And you move on. This is a thing that her, a stupid thing that her friend did. The problem is she did it to her sister. Yeah. So that's where the issue is. So I feel like she's honestly she's the one in the worst position because damn. like either way, like this is her family, but this is also like a sister to her. Right. Like she's gonna lose, and that she doesn't. True. She doesn't have like a lot of like friends. Close, you know, she has a small circle of people she's close with, and now she's gonna lose the main person in her life. So she has to stop being friends. I, I mean, what else is she gonna do if this is true? What is she gonna do? Like that's her sister. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. She has the toughest. That's true. She's the victim here. That's true. Um. Yeah. Damn, Kylie. I feel yeah, for I didn't her. think about it from that perspective. I really feel for Sheesh. her. And people, some people don't get it. You know, like for me, I have my sister and I have like one cousin that mm-hmm. I would say is I'm close with and those are like, that's family to right. me. That's blood. But every, like, but my friends are my family. My friends that I've been friends with for 17 years, for X amount of years, people that know everything about me, these are family members to me. Like people that know my family life, this is family to me, right? right? I, I'm closer to them than my actual family. <laughs> right. So like I... Look at this in a different way. Like, just because you are related to somebody, that doesn't necessarily mean that, like, that is, like, the definition of family, no, that's right? that's true. So, I don't know. Sheesh. I feel for that girl. That's who I feel for if this is true. Yeah. So. Uh-oh, Kylie. Three J's scratching our heads. These are all <laughs> developing stories. Some of them that we just don't know if it's real. We're just yeah. going to keep up and, and see what happens. Um, the last thing that I want to talk about is 
little dark. Um, okay. August Alcina did an interview, right. finally. Um, he's been going through some things lately, you know? And he did this interview basically about... I mean, he talked about a lot of things, but one thing that stood out to me is um, these negative and horrible thoughts that he says that he has, that he has to basically work and try to control every day on the hour, try to get these thoughts out of his head. He said that the devil is basically talking to him all of the time, right? right? And what I took from this is kind of related to the second episode that I did about self-awareness. Because if you are, if you grow this level of self-awareness, if you can identify what is negative, what is positive, if you can identify like what is from God and what is from the devil, then you have better control of those thoughts. You can categorize them as to exactly what they are and you can and you can control that. So that level of self-awareness is so important. I mean, I battle through it all the time. Uh, Not like him, not hour by hour, day by day, but I definitely have these thoughts of like self-doubt, negativity. You know, this comes all the time, but I'm at this point in my life, I would like to think I'm pretty aware to be able to identify what it is and why it's affecting me and how I can stop it, you know? Right, now that makes sense. Yeah, that's... It's a real place to be in. Kind of definitely could relate to that um, with August, kind of like feeling like the devil's talking to you mm-hmm. and trying to like pull at you and kind of giving in to a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. But I think like you said, it's just kind of deciphering those different energies. But kind of like his interview, he was just kind of talking about you're trying to sometimes delay the pain and trying to distract yourself from the mm-hmm. pain. But until you kind of really take it on full throttle, you'll kind of kind of finally always see yourself like going to different addictions in a real dark place. So... Yeah, I definitely relate to that interview a lot. Yeah. I understand it. Yeah. He's so like intellectual. Like very he's very much so. smart. And the fact that he talked about it, yeah, you know? It's like big. especially artists like talking about like just mental that I would that could be a form of like mental illness. That is like depression. That definitely. is like anxiety, you know, um, OCD that Lena Lena explained to me. That <laughs> these are forms of that. And he's talking about it on an open platform, you know. So I, I think it's important because yeah. it makes you think about your own exactly. thoughts and you can identify what they are. So that was a great idea. I agree. All right, guys, we are now in the last segment of the episode called Dropping Gems. And the official, unofficial topic is success and failures, okay? Um, you know, when I first put out my podcast, And up until this point, people were DMing me, texting me, asking me to talk about my story, like how I got to this point, why I decided I should have a podcast, um, how I started hosting. And I definitely wanted to talk about it, but I wanted to share my journey and my success and quote unquote failures with also with somebody who has been through something similar or has a story to share, someone who's faced obstacles in their own journey, right? So like I said, that's why I brought Carlton here um, because he gave me my first hosting opportunity and because he can definitely relate and we went through a lot together. Um, actually, most <laughs> most of it we went through together Everything, up until this right. point, right? And, you know, like I said, this is six years ago. So next week, March 3rd, will be six years. Wow. The day that I hosted that show was Sheesh. March 3rd, 2013. Sheesh. The number three is my favorite number, which is really ironic. Wow. Um, Six years. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Time. Yeah, it's crazy. So I want to kind of get into how I started, okay? So um, at the time, I was in 
college. I was a senior in college. I was um, also interning and I had a job lined up when I graduated. I was in a relationship. So I was just <laughs> happy, living my best life, very comfortable. Um, and then everything just kind of got shaken up, okay? My boyfriend and I broke up. Um, and it was pretty bad. It was like a pretty difficult time for me because this was like my first real relationship. Um, this is like kind of like my first love. And I was trying to cope with it. I, it didn't take long. Okay. Let's be clear. But, <laughs> but during that time I, I didn't understand, uh, why he was hurt, but he was okay. You know, he was doing his thing. And, and then when I, when I, when I broke it down, I thought about it. I realized it's because he had his thing. He had acting. Right. He had writing and directing. He had his purpose or whatever you want to call it, if that's the word you're going to use. He, he knew what he wanted to do. He had that to fall back on and that to pour into. And that's when I realized I didn't. Because it wasn't my job. It wasn't my internship. It wasn't college. These were not the things that I felt uh, were my calling or my purpose or by whatever you want to call it. That's not what I thought it was. So when I realized that, I sat there and thought, I was like, what is my thing? thing. Hmm. I don't have a thing, you know? That relationship forced me to get uncomfortable. And I started kind of praying about it and don't remember how it happened, but God led me to hosting, to talking, right? right. That was what, what he led me to, but I didn't understand what that meant. So I told one of my friends at Tian, I was like, hey, I think I'm going to try out hosting. He was like, you should talk to my mom. She's, uh, she knows a lot about this industry. She's Cheryl Lee Ralph is a famous actress. She's an author. So I sat down with her and I was like, Hey, you know, I think I want to get into hosting. I think I'm going to take some classes. She said, why? She said to me, there's nothing that they can teach you about you. The, the host needs to have a personality. You need to have your own thing. This isn't like a, you know what I mean? Like, obviously there's classes that teach you how to read like a prompter and all of this. But she was like, no, this is like so much more about your personality. Like having a talk show is different. Right. This is not like a news anchor or whatever. So she's like, this is what you need to do. Go home, sit in front of a computer, start talking. She said, talk about anything. Talk about your day. Record yourself talking. Watch yourself. Look at your gestures. Listen to how you sound. Just start talking. So I was like, okay. I went home. I sat on my bed. I recorded a video that said, I want to be a talk show host. In this exact voice. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I remember that I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. You know, I just, I'm just going to do it. Fuck it. I'm just telling you guys because I'm going to do it. So I recorded this stupid video. I put it on Facebook. And I was just like, okay. Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> a few days later, I get a call from my friend Ariane, Ari. Some of you guys might know her as Pink Susie. Pink Susie. Um, infamous. Mm-hmm, who was uh, working for you as a talent manager mm-hmm. at the time, right? For your show. And she said, hey, we're hosting, uh, we're having a show next week. And the <laughs> host that pulled out, because she has to have... Emergency mouth surgery. Something, yes, I remember that now. Yeah, mouth? yeah, she mouth? had uh, what that mouth do? Mouth, <laughs> mouth some surgery. Tooth? Yeah. It was weird, but she had to have a surgery, and they needed to replace right. her immediately. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Do you want to do it?" Let's be clear, guys. At this point, I've had zero experience. <laughs> I literally hosted my high school prom fashion show, and I think I just did really well in debate. <laughs> I had no experience in hosting, and I said, "Yeah, I'll do it." Um. I walked in there, 
I think I did a good job. He did. He stayed around, yeah, right? I hosted the shit out of that show, okay? With um Trevor. And you know, and then that's where I met Carlton, because he was the one who was in charge of the show. Um Jeez. that opportunity, you know, made me realize that even if you don't feel qualified for something, you should still go for it. Or even if you might think something is beneath you, I think you should pray about it and ask for guidance because you don't know how that opportunity can open your next door. Right. You know, and that's what exactly what it did for me. Okay. And then what came next is just a whole <laughs> a lot of years a of whole lot. of I don't even know how to explain it. You guys will hear mine and Carlson's journey together. But before Jeez. we do that, I want to hear about how you conceptualized Project Pit. Or was it even something before Project Pit that um, got you into where you are now? Right. Uh, I think for me, uh, I was maybe like 21, 22, whatever, after high school. Uh, high school was a, a rough journey for me. I never really had anybody like believe in me mm. or really motivate me. I was going through a real rough time, just trying to figure out who I was as a person. Uh, my mom was the only one who kind of like really just rooted for me. I remember I had teachers always tell me like, oh, you're not going to be nothing. Literally had a teacher stop the class and told me I wasn't going to be shit. Um, yeah, crazy. Um, then it's crazy. Years later, uh, we saw each other. She's like, can you help me do X, Y, and Z? It was just crazy how tables full turned circle. full circle. Um, saying all that to say, um, I was really just trying to figure out myself what I really wanted to do. But I knew I wanted to create something where it was just like a community of, of dreamers and people who may not have had a, an idea of what they wanted to do, but it was a, a motivational opportunity where people could encourage each other and build each other because mm. I never had that. So that's what kind of Project Pit was, the social impact aspect of it, um, but then also wanted to have it uh, be catered around music. Mm. Um, so then kind of created those concerts and whatever they were at that time. Mm. And uh, it was fun. Not really structured, but it was fun. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I started Project Pit and went through a lot of just different things. Um, I think at that time I was just so, so hungry. I always, well, my boy always compared it to like just being Kobe number eight, just going to shoot, 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 shoot. Right. You know, you're not thinking about That's anything very, else, anybody else. You're just shooting, you know, right. you're just so hungry. Mm -hmm. um, but then over time, like now looking back, I feel like I'm evolving into like 24. It's just like, you know, things take time, things right. take structure. Um, but then I was just doing everything. Okay, this not work. All right, let's try this. Let's mm -hmm. try this. Let's try this. Let's try this. But obviously with anything, it's all about commitment, mm -hmm. which I always had, uh, but consistency, which I lacked because it was just anytime something kind of just went left, all right, let's just move into another direction. Mm -hmm. Let's move to another direction. And then it just kind of started all these different things, which now is a good thing. But just looking back at it uh, it years ago, it was very chaotic. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's how Project Pit was started. Okay. Yes. So when I came into the picture, it was, what show was it? Like your second? Yeah, that was or? the second show because we did a show prior to that, like two months ago. I was so nervous. I was in my grandma's room and I was with my boy Roscoe and I'm like, I want to do this show. He's like, let's just do it. So we did it. Um, and we had about like 40, 30 people at the first one, but everybody, it was so chaotic, like nothing went on time, but everybody was like, yo, it's something, I don't know if There's it was just me. There's something here. It's something yeah, here. Yeah. Like, keep it going. And I was like, all right, I ain't got nothing else to really look yeah. forward to. I just go to school and I wasn't really doing well at, at SMC <laughs> at the time. Um, they sent me this qualification letter. So I was like, all right, let me take something serious. So I was like, shit, let me take this serious. Yeah. And then we just kept it going. Yeah. yeah. So then the second show honestly was was well, well organized. Very well. Yeah. That's the one I came into. Exactly. It was at the Celebrity Center. Yep. We're not Scientologists here, guys. <laughs> they uh they have just this great space yes. that you can throw events in after you listen to their cacophony of bullshit. Right. Um, 
Anyway, so that's the one that I did. Okay, so I host the show. Mm-hmm. It goes pretty well. Um, and then Carlton comes to me and he says, hey, you know, I intern. You were an intern at the time. Right. I intern at KJLH. <laughs> now, for those of you who aren't from LA, KJLH is Stevie Wonder's radio station, 102.3 KJLH. <laughs> And he was an intern, and they were looking to attract a younger demographic at the time because the station is kind of geared towards the... Right, older. We were 35 to 50 is what we were saying. Yep. That was that was their audience. Um, they wanted to attract younger audience. So they they give Carlton this opportunity to do a web series for the their <laughs> digital portion of their uh, radio station, which is on their website. And so they told him to do this this web series, and they, he came to me and said, I want to co-host. Would you do it with me? Again, I was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> mind you, I had not been on camera at that point. Um, I was only did live uh, that live right. event with you and that's it. <laughs> and I never did anything he on camera. He didn't do either. anything yeah. on camera either. So <laughs> we were just like, yeah, let's do it. Just two kids, like, yeah, why not? This is, you know, at the time, like when you look at it, look back at it now, it's like this radio station just told us go do whatever <laughs> the fuck you want to do. And that was crazy. That was yeah. a lot of responsibility. And we didn't even like we didn't even process yeah, it at the, at the time. Yeah, we didn't understand so. it. Yeah. Um, so we start this show, KJLH Spotlight <laughs> is what we called it at the time, from the ground up, you guys. I'm talking about from selecting the font size of the logo <laughs> to building a team to getting equipment or trying right. to find equipment. Uh, mind you, we all kind of worked full time. This was basically, or right. went to school. This was basically everyone's like side thing. You know, everyone that volunteered was kind of like an intern. Yep. <laughs> so we start KJLH. Um, and then simultaneously, Carlton was also doing Project Pit. At this point, he had asked me to be the host of these showcases, like kind of like the face of right. Project Pit. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, you know, I'm just saying, yeah, 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 to take all yes to everything. And we had these two projects going um, at the same time. I have to say this, though. I have never believed in a person more than I believe in Carlton. <laughs> That's love. It's really crazy. He has this uh, impact on people. Like, he pours into people so much, and it just makes you believe in him and his vision, but also yourself. So... That's very important because let me be clear. He built not one, but two teams of basically full-time volunteers. Damn. <laughs> Look back at right, it. Right. Looking back at it now, it's crazy. That's exactly yeah. what that was. And we was there until like midnight. I, I'm going to get into that. Yeah. I'm going to get into that. Um, so anyway, we're doing, we're doing KJLH, <laughs> right? We're interviewing celebrities. We are covering red carpet events. We are getting booked to for free. <laughs> we're getting booked to host um, live shows, Carlton and I. Like we're hosting that show. Yeah. We are... Having meetings, we are trying to book people. We are like, it was just so much for that show because the radio station just gave us a platform. They did not provide any type of resources for us. They didn't even give us equipment. They didn't even, they didn't give us anything, let's be clear. Um, So we did everything, not knowing what we were doing. We did everything. And then with Project Pit, we started the tours. This is where we were going into high schools and colleges. You want to talk about those programs? Oh my God. I don't even know how we were doing that. How did these high schools give us? I don't know. No insurance, no no contracts. I literally would just go up to the principal and say, look, I got this idea. Can we do it? This is what I'm talking about, though. People believe in him. It's really crazy. He has this impact. You should run for president. Right? Something. (laughs) And literally, just let us do it. No contract. Mm -hmm. No, you need to take these thumbprints. Nothing. Just go in there. We literally did like... That one year. Thumbprints. We could have been a bunch of child molesters. Crazy, right? Especially with everything going on now. Yes. Like We did like nine schools. Like Daytime, we would go in there, have the pep rallies. Then later on, we'll have the 
the rehearsals for the kids because we would do like a, a showcase with the kids later on. It was really like, and then go to the station later. We at mentored night. the kids. Exactly. We brought in celebrities for right. these shows. We interviewed celebrities. The kids performed like at a night concert. It's crazy. I hosted. We, you put the whole thing together. I mean, it was like a lot of work. A lot of work. For, and we were just going through the motions. Going. Just, just like we said, shooting. You just, just shoot. You're yeah. right. I was Kobe number eight. You were too. shooting. We were shooting. We were thinking, just shooting. We just Holy on a mission, shit. trying to get our talents out. Yeah, and just shooting. We're putting ourselves out there, Yo. the brand out there, and these kids out there. That was so important for us Very to much make. So. You know, the whole point of Project Pit is just letting your dreams live, exactly. right? Giving these kids the platform and the opportunity to be in front of celebrities to show their talent, um, and to get mentored and shadowed, right? Exactly. And shadow us. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so... And then this- that was the second phase of Project Pit, because yes. remember, initially, it was just supposed to be the music. Then I was like, well, Celebrity Center is getting a little weird, like mm-hmm. you talked about. Mm-hmm. I remember that last show, they had um, some guy who's supposed to be a part of Voice to Men production team or something, and everybody thought he was a part of the show, and then he started talking about Scientology, and then I was like, all right, this is it. And then when my aunt started signing up for Scientology classes, oh, hey. I was like, all right, we got to go. Oh. So, no, auntie. Yeah. So then I was like, all right, well, high schools, those venues are free. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just do the high schools. Yeah. You know? And then that's where it turned into that. Mm-hmm. That was basically. Then two. the skid roll, we did that. We did. You guys, we did a talent show at Union Rescue Mission. Yes. We went into Union Rescue Mission and we called it <laughs> Skid Rose Got Talent. Yes. We had homeless people or people that were living in the shelter, actually, um, that were previously homeless audition for the show. Right. And we put on a talent showcase. I hosted it. Um, and. It was really inspiring, kind of like right. I don't know. That it's was crazy. yeah. That, that was, was a great one. show. Yeah. That was a great concept. Yeah. Wow. We yeah. We just we did a lot. you guys. We were <laughs> shooting. We were doing so much. Okay. So all of this is happening, right? We got all these different things going on, and then <sighs> this is gonna be tough. But yeah. then something very tragic happened, right? Your mother yeah. passed. Right. Um. And that was a crazy day because that same day. I found out she had cancer. That was September-ish. Mm-hmm. That same day, uh, I don't know if you remember Levi Booker. He was at the station, mm-hmm. the radio station. He pulled me in the office. He just went so hard on me, like, stop doing this show. Stop doing this shit. You ain't shit. Like, that same day, and it was just so much emotions for me that day. I was like, damn. And then I didn't really yeah. put two and two together, like, with my mom, just the the cancer, because she was in stage one, and... You know, she she kind of seemed like light about it, but then yeah, she took her first dose of chemotherapy, October thirty first, and she was doing fine. And I told her because she always used to do this, like try to be superwoman. Like, mom, if you're not feeling all right, just let me know. Yeah. So November 9th, um, I'll never forget that day. Uh, I stopped by my grandma's house and uh, I was gonna go to church, but my mom seemed just a little off. I was like, all right, I'll just check on her later. Uh, so we also did this thing, hashtag lunch bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went there, uh, hashtag lunch bag, you know, making the sandwiches. I had left my phone in the car. Uh, then my family got in contact with one of my boys, and they're like, yo, call call your mom, uh, call your granny. So I called my granny. She's like, hey, you got to get to the house real quick. Your mom isn't really feeling well. So I'm like, all right, not thinking nothing of it. I uh, get there. Yeah, she seems a little off. Uh, seems a little just like very, very relaxed. Mm-hmm. So we get in the car. Um, if you're a cancer patient, or she's a chemo patient, so they would, um, when we get to the hospital, she'll go to urgent care like right away. Like she don't have to wait or anything. So we're in the car. We're driving. Uh, normally she's like yelling at me for driving too fast or anything like that. She was so quiet. And we get to the hospital. Um, the doctor comes uh, and sees her. Uh, we're all sitting down. It's my grandma, then my aunt, and everybody gets to the hospital at that time. 
Um, she seems fine. The doctor is like, you know, we just want to keep her overnight and just make sure she's okay. Uh, so everybody left. Uh, I was going to spend the night with her. So it's like four or five o'clock at that time. And then uh, she was like, you think mommy's going to be all right? I was like, yeah, mommy's going to be just fine. So we did our handshake. We prayed. She's like, can you pray with me? I was like, of course. We prayed and I gave her a kiss. And then I'm um, just waiting in the lobby, just on my phone, chilling, listening to music. So it's like 5.30 at that time. Then it's like 6.30. I'm like, all right, it's taking a long time. Then it's like 7.30. So I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'm about to go back there myself. I literally go back there. The doctor literally grabs me, puts me in a room. He said, you can't go back there. I'm like, what do you mean I can't go back there? Like, she doesn't have a husband. Uh, I'm, I'm her everything. You feel me? Like, it's me. She was like, he was like, no, you just can't go back there. We lost her. I'm like, wait, what do you mean we lost her? Like, how, how did you lose her? Um, yeah, she just went unconscious when we were trying to give her... Because um, her daily doctor used to talk about that, how bad her veins were um. and how, how they needed to put like a machine inside of her when they, when they take out blood. Um, so they were doing that process. But in that same time, uh, that chemotherapy was just oh. getting inside of her. Her immune system was low. And she had a disease when I was younger called Valley Fever. And it's pretty much this rare disease that you get um, if you live in Arizona in certain regions of stuff in the air. And she almost died when I was like four or five years old. Um, and it's just this virus that attacks your immune system. So that came back on top of the chemotherapy and she didn't have nothing to fight it off. So uh, rewind back to the doctor. He's like, yeah, uh, we lost her. I'm like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, she's on a, um, she's in a coma. She have these machines on her. So I went back there. I was like, what the fuck? And he was like, yeah, um, we don't know if she'll make it within the next 18 hours. Just call your family. And I'm just like, wait, 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 what? We literally were just talking like two hours ago. I was just so confused. I call all my family. Um, I didn't have the heart to call my grandma, so I called my uncle. And then he kind of told everybody else, and everybody came back to the hospital. And that next day, she passed away. Yeah. Sorry, guys, if you're watching on YouTube, um, I don't don't want him to repeat himself, but basically... um, the camera just shut off, but so your mother basically passed unexpectedly. Yeah, unexpectedly. I was at the hospital that day. Wow. I went. Um, you guys called me when everything happened. I think Mimi called me. Mm-hmm. Um, when I looked at you, like I just knew your life was just changed forever. Yeah. It was so hard yeah. for you. I couldn't even imagine because you, your mom was your everything. Exactly, and I didn't even realize at the time because I was trying to. Just, you know, act like everything was all right. And, you know, of course, the funeral, that definitely take, took a lot of emotions out mm-hmm. of me. But I tried to just delay everything for so long, like, even with just, like, work and, all right, I'll just feel all these emotions in this. Mm-hmm. And that didn't work. And then I got addicted to a lot of stuff. And that didn't work. You know, women and just um, drinking, alcohol, and just thought all those things would just work. But, you know. Like numbing. Yeah. Numbing you. And, um, you know, especially... You know, people always give Kanye, like, a hard time, but when I look at somebody like that, um, obviously I don't know his, like, you know, full situation, mm-hmm. but just looking at what we do know, like, you know, his mom passed, and, you know, after that, he never really took a break. He went on tour right after mm-hmm. that, kept making music and a lot of other life situations, and him having just unlimited resources, unlimited things to kind of distract himself from it. Exactly. It's just kind of like, you know, you feel like you can do whatever, and with me, I didn't really have that many resources, like, you know, when she passed... Um, you know, she had the insurance, and you know, it's the first time I'm telling this story, but I'll tell it here. Um, and I'm recording content on this myself about it. But yeah, she had her insurance, um, had about like like three thousand, five thousand dollars left, and a lot of people don't know I flipped that, and I flipped that into a nice amount of money, mm. uh, nice amount of money. And I was just so thinking like 
it was about money at that time. Mm-hmm. Like money, 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 money. Oh, I could do this, do that. And I lost a lot of it wow. because I was trying to just distract myself from it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then drinking. I was like, all right, maybe I could turn into drinking. And once the bottle's empty, your problems are still full. And then women, you know, a lot of stuff with that. And just found myself in a low, low, very low point, um, a very dark spot. Um, and then eventually, like last year, I kind of just probably is the first time I really dealt with those emotions, like truly. Wow. Um, you know, a lot of people sometimes ask, hey, why you stop certain stuff? Like sometimes I really like go hard, post my mom, and then I'll stop. Yeah. Because it's a lot of just emotional stuff like I haven't really dealt with. And last year was the first time I really dealt with that stuff. And this year, uh, the end of last year, I had like a group ther- grief therapy, went to that, which was extremely helpful for me because it was really in a dark space mm-hmm. um, a lot of people don't know about. And um, yeah, so it, it was a, a process, still is a process. What's crazy to me is everything that you're talking about. Like, I do remember some of that, but yeah. for the most part, nobody knew right? because you continued on. Yeah. We were still doing Project Pit Spotlight and you were still pouring into people. Yeah. But, like, what's your source? Who's right. pouring into you <laughs> right. at those moments? How are you giving so much? Yeah, and that was the part that I guess was getting to me behind closed doors. It was just like, dang, I feel like I got to keep this, This, you know, I kind of created this image of myself. And not even creating this who I just generally was. Really right. cared about the cared about people, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And want to pour into people and just give as much as I can. But I think at that point in time of my life, it was hard for me to really do that behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. And it started to weigh really down on me. And I think, obviously, I think you'll get into it later, just like how our show ended. Right. I think after that, that kind of really made me realize, all right, I need to kind of like slow down. Right. So let's get into that. Um, at this point, right after that, we had put uh, Project Pit on hold right. because we didn't have the resources. Um you know, and I think that was a smart decision that you made. Right. We didn't have the resources. We're going into these schools kind of half-assed. I mean, we're giving people an opportunity to look like good from the outside. Right. But internally, we were struggling. And then on top of that, remember our last show at LMU? Remember oh, Tank? Oh, my God. Tank, the artist, yes. was there. His mm-hmm. his group was performing. Mm-hmm. And the sound was that bad. That bad. Tank worked the sound mm-hmm. for the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. Literally, like yep. an R&B Grammy-nominated artist. He's like, yo, I can't take this. I'm a genius. Yeah. It's like... This is my group. Yes. You guys are fucking with my group. And he's working on the sound at our show. This is what I mean by resources. <laughs> guys, We nobody gave us money for anything. Nothing. We had no investors. And all of these people were volunteers. Right. Volunteer sound engineers. Yes. Let's talk about that, right? So we, we you had to... It was the right thing to do yeah. to put that on hold. So we put that on hold and we invest into Spotlight. We had moved... We were trying to move away from the radio station because it was right. honestly holding us back. Thank you for the opportunity, but it was holding us back. Right. So instead of doing KGLH Spotlight, we changed it to Spotlight LA. We were flourishing, I think, mm-hmm. right? We The content looked better. We were really out there. And then here comes the, again. Every time you're Shit. here, it just brings you down. Right. We got a cease and desist letter. Yeah. Okay, so we got this letter from a DJ entertainment company called Spotlight LA DJ. And they were basically um, like a DJ group and a sound group that would perform at weddings, uh, birthdays, <laughs> parties, whatever. And our oh, show was, was Spotlight LA, but we weren't doing the same thing. But because we were in the same industry, they and theirs was copyrighted, we were forced to change our name. Right. But that was everything to us, right? That was our website. 
that was uh, our logo on all of our videos is uh, had that our YouTube channel, right. our social media accounts, <laughs> everything. We were forced to end everything, and also at the time we were doing a digital radio station. We we're doing accelerated radio. We had a weekly show, That's right? Um, and that had to stop too, right? Everything kind of had to come to an end because we had to. Rebrand. We could not use the name Spotlight LA. We had to take all of the content off of the internet. It's like Everything. it never happened. Nothing happened, right? And I don't know if people realize how hard that is. We didn't know about this group, yeah. right? And we didn't even think twice about it because they did nothing that we did, right? right. When we found out, we're like, this isn't what this is not a big deal. Um, so wow. Shit, I was wow. We had to delete everything. And I have to tell you, this was the hardest four years of my life. Yeah. It was, you had a hard time and everyone was struggling in their own ways. For me, I was overexerting myself beyond what I was, my capacity. Right. And let's be clear, Melana, you were driving from, you lived in Burbank. Mm-hmm. The radio station was in Inglewood. Yep. Your job was where? Downtown. So you were going from downtown to Inglewood, back to Burbank, mm-hmm. back, you was putting in a lot of- I was in traffic yeah. for, I was in the car for three hours a day. Right. I was in the car for three hours a day during traffic hour. Um, twice a week. I didn't get home till midnight. Yeah. And woke up and had to go to work the next day. Because no I worked full time. No complaints. No because complaints. Because I was like, I believed in Carlton, believed in myself, believed in this opportunity. And I was just like, you know, we're just going through the motions. Kobe yeah. number eight. Right. Kobe <laughs> number eight, right? So I'm going through the motions. And when this happened, you know, to me, it was like, was this all a waste? Yeah. But we were like, no, we're gonna rebrand ourselves, and we're gonna we're gonna rename the show. We're gonna we're gonna do this. So we put everything on this like hiatus, and we stopped. And this is where I was kind of praying about it a lot, and I was like, God, what's the direction now, right? And something led me to focusing on us as personalities. I remember coming to a meeting, and I said, you know, I don't want to be an interview robot. We should focus <laughs> on like who we are right. as personalities, and people will come to the show to watch us and to listen to us, and it doesn't matter who we're interviewing, not just because we're interviewing a certain person. They like us and what we have to say. So we started going into that direction. Um, I remember making like my my like branding package, how I want to be perceived, like you did yours. Right. And so I'm like excited about this new direction, but I'm like, damn, this is gonna be so much work. Like we're starting over. And then Carlton comes to me and says, he don't want to do this anymore. No <laughs> yeah. He doesn't want to do this anymore. Was I mad? No. Was I scared? Yeah, because I didn't know what I, that meant for me, right. you know. And. At the time, I've always been the type of person who doesn't dwell on situations because I believe everything happens for a reason, right? With breakups, with career, with any fucking thing that happens, everything happens for a reason. That's how I process everything. God doesn't make mistakes. So if it happened, it was supposed to happen, Definitely. right? Um, and because of that, I said, okay, I'm sure this is happening for a reason. Um, <laughs> even though it was hard for me to conceptualize at the time. Yeah, it was hard, very hard. We had to go our separate ways. All we've known was each other at right. this point. <laughs> we re- we like relied on each other. Definitely. On camera, off camera, you know. Right. Um, what, why, I don't even remember why Why you didn't want to do it. I noticed that this wasn't the direction you were going in, but I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, honestly, for me at the time, I think it was really just all the, the emotional stuff that I really was just kind of just dealing with uh-huh. behind closed doors. And, and and for me at the time, like, I always felt like you were bigger than kind of what we were doing at that time. Like, That's so you know, sweet of you. But- honestly, and it was just like, you know, I really feel like it's an opportunity, like, me to just to figure where I am right now and then Milana to really, you know, do her thing. Mm-hmm. And then I just didn't really want to waste time and 
I don't think I realized until maybe about a couple years later how big of that, how big of an impact that legal stuff was on like just my right. life. Because it didn't hit me right then and there. It was just like, all right, yeah, we'll move on. But it had me going from shooting to Kobe to really being nervous to like, okay. Even though it was something simple as obviously doing research and knowing you need to trademark stuff yeah. and research, but it was just like, you talked about all the stuff that we did and going so hard mm-hmm. and doing all this stuff. I How really was just- Taken in a moment. Yeah. Taken in a moment. And I was just scared to do anything. It's like, eh, I don't want to bring people involved because maybe something wrong with me, yeah. you know? And I really oh, was wow. questioning myself. Wow. And yeah, I was really nervous to do a lot of stuff. And probably until like the top of this year, I finally got my confidence back where it's like, hey, that should happen. Oh, keep going. And you learn from it, obviously. But it really hit me- a couple years later, or, or when I see people and they're like, hey, what happened to those interviews? And you're like, damn, like, I can't type it in. At least show, like, I was doing this, yeah, you know? Yeah, because it's, it's gone. They, we yeah. made us take everything off. Yeah. The station came, like, super down. I ended up getting fired. Yeah. That's them from that, honestly. And, uh, yeah, that that really affected me a couple years later where it really hit me, like, yo, I'm, I'm nervous to kind of do something right now, mm. but kind of like what you said earlier, the difference of I really understanding it's no such thing as failures, but really lessons, right? You know, which I'm, which, which, which is the overall topic of this, and we'll get into that a little later. Um, for me, the next thing that came was, you know what? Let me use this branding that I worked on, and let me do a talk show. Got it. So I, I, I filmed <laughs> a whole ass four episodes, um, a whole production, guys. Okay, I had a space. I had a camera crew, I had um, makeup artists, I had guests, and I built a set, a different set for every single topic. The set was designed to the topic. That's so much money right. and so much time Jeez. and so much like effort into, I'm doing this, I have a full-time job. I had one person who helped me and that was Lena. And then I paid all these other people. Um, so I filmed these four episodes, great feedback. They looked incredible. This is like more than anything that I have ever done. But I realized it was not sustainable. Um, This is not something, if YouTube is my audience, this is not something that I can produce on a weekly basis because that's what you need (laughs) for YouTube. This was not something I could produce on a weekly basis. It was a great concept. It was premature. At the time, I didn't understand it. I understood that I couldn't produce it, but I didn't understand why would God make me do this, right? Why would he put me in this situation if he, if I was just going to, Stop at episode four. You know, I was so confused. I was hurt. Um, I was upset. And I was disappointed because I felt like what you're what what you were talking about, like, why would why would I try again? Why would I do something else? Why would you know, I'm just I keep putting myself out there in these situations and Project Pit, Accelerated Radio, Spotlight LA, starting Milan of the talk show. And then it just ends and it just (laughs) stops. And it's like, why would I keep torturing myself? And put something else out. So that's when I went into a pretty dark and deep place. Okay. So I had to put everything on hold and I waited a few months and I thought, well, if something is going to happen, it'll come to me. And it did. Um, My friend Taylor, she approached me. She said, Hey, like, you know, YouTube is getting really big. You want to start a, like a best friends vlogging challenges, pranks channel. And at the time, I wasn't doing anything, and all I needed in my life was consistency. And I was like, you know what? This is something that I can do and be consistent at because it is simpler content, right? It doesn't require as much out of you. Um, 
I already knew how to edit videos and I, Taylor knew how to edit videos and we put out two videos a week. You guys, that is crazy. Jeez. I went from four episodes in like six months because I tried <laughs> to stretch them out to two episodes a week. We Damn. filmed every single weekend um, and it was great. Our channel grew. Um, we built a whole like, we had like a backdrop. We had a lighting kit. We were really like going. We were going and we went for a year. Okay. Um, did you ever, do you remember that? When I remember I did that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I... It was, it was, it was different. It was a good experience for me. Um, but you know, a little like into almost a year of it, I, I just wasn't happy. You know, I wasn't feeling fulfilled. Um, with the show or just in general? With that, with the, with the, with the Kadri. YouTube channel that we were doing. Um, it wasn't. The content wasn't where I felt like I could be most effective in the world. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, there's definitely value in this type of content, and I think it is definitely needed, but it's not where I thought I can, like, serve God. You know, I I didn't, I wasn't fulfilled, and I didn't think that I could impact people right. in that realm. Um, so we had a really tough conversation, and, you know, we went our separate ways. We're still friends, <laughs> but we had to go our separate ways. Right. And I was back... To fucking square, square one. one. <laughs> I feel like I live in square one. Sheesh. After six years of right. everything, from our beginning to everything, I was back to square one um, right before my podcast. And I'll get into that next. But I want to talk about what you were doing after we went our separate ways. So, yeah, after we went our separate ways, I still was riding it out at KJLH. And then after just the legal situations, everything just started to become a lot weird. You know, mm -hmm. everybody was just... Everything seemed so constrained. Everybody was just kind of watching my moves, every little thing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, we got to slow him down. And then eventually I end up getting a phone call. Um, my program director, he's like, you know, I don't know why they're doing this, but, you know, they want to let you go. Um, mm -hmm. It's like, bam, okay, what's next? And uh ended up getting hired at CBS, mm -hmm. worked there. It's like, all right, let's ride this radio out. Maybe it was just that place. You know, they're old. They don't know what they, they don't, want, yeah. you know? That was always our experience. Right. They don't know. <laughs> So we get C I get to CBS. It was cool. Um, was able to do just some late night on air stuff, and then producing. Uh, I think it was like during the afternoons. Uh, but then CBS ended up selling their digital their radio assets to uh, I forget the name of the company. So I mean, last one, first one hired, last one hired, first one fired. Damn. They fired pretty much everybody. Carson Daly ended up leaving, doing his own thing, and yeah. So I was like, all right, this radio stuff is. Is it's cool, don't get me wrong, but I just feel like it's so archaic anyway. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I was <laughs> okay. using it as an excuse because things weren't going right at the right. time, or was I really kind of just over it? You uh -huh. know, I just feel like, just, damn, kind of like you say, you just try and try and, and stuff out of your control, you just kind of mm -hmm. doesn't work out. So, started just kind of researching stuff a little bit more. Um, started trying to figure out, like, all right, what do I want to do? What do I really want to do? Like, yeah, I've tried a lot of stuff mm -hmm. on my own, but I want to be somewhere where I can actually grow. You know, mm -hmm. I feel like I've always just thought of something, did some research, and went for it, which is cool. But at the same time, I want to grow somewhere, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so I saw this opening uh, for a tour company, and they were looking for an entertainment coordinator. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, all right, let me give it a try. I could do this. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I mean, uh, I was reading an article, I think it was CAA, 80% of their clients their music artists make most of their money on touring that's yep. where 80 percent of the income comes from so i'm like all right radio ain't it no more let me jump into touring mm -hmm. um such a visionary <laughs> yeah so i went into touring um which was really a great opportunity i uh, really learned a lot of mechanics mm -hmm. um so i got that job 
last year, January 2018. Uh-huh. Um, actually, let me let me rewind. Actually, there was a, a part in there where I got fired from KJLH, fired from CBS. There was a seven-month break uh. where I was working at Park and Fly mm. and after-school program. Mm. So I was up at 5 a.m., Working at Park and Fly, managing shuttles, go around, take people to the airport. Oh, my God. Hey, 42, 1022, let's go. Bus number 47, you got your people, let's go. And then from 5 to 12, I would do that. Then I would go to the after school program from 2 to 7 just to make my rent meet. And yeah. That Park and Fly job is going to come in you. Just wait. You just wait on it. <laughs> so I did that for six months. Damn. And I was like, yo, this is crazy. I was in a real emotional spot. I was like, damn, I went from interviewing celebrities, every celebrity you can think uh-huh. of from Park and Fly. I'm here with these old people and I'm just here. Won't feel like I'm withering away. Won't I'm just like, what it. the hell is going on? Then I'm at this after school program, mean to the kids. <laughs> Mr. C is mean. Mr. C is mean. <laughs> but it's so unfulfilled. And I'm like, yo, God, something has to give. Mm-hmm. And I think during that moment, I feel like God intentionally had me in this space because you know, it wasn't the money, it wasn't the drinking, it wasn't the career, it wasn't the woman that was going to get me back to who I was. Mm. It was him. Mm-hmm. And I had to really, really surrender at the time because honestly, I always figured out a way to make something happen, or at he least did. I thought it was me, mm-hmm. but it came from like God's For grace sure. and favor. And at that point, everything, I reached out to my contacts, people, hey, who's hiring? Mm-hmm. Nothing worked. And literally, my friend took me to church uh the week before I got hired with my new job, and the sermon kind of talked about surrendering, giving God your all, not just thinking about, hey, I want this, God, um, and if this happens, uh, thank you, versus like, no matter what happened, God, I trust you and I appreciate you, even if I don't get the job. So then my perspective changed. So that happened on Sunday. I applied for this job on Monday. I followed up with them on that Thursday. I got an interview that next week. Nice. got hired the week later, literally from just changing my perspective and fully surrendering. Um, and then that job turned into an opportunity. Um, our clients are anybody from Dreamville to Chris Brown, uh, Migos. Um, yeah, we have a lot of clients. Um, but saying all that to say, from January to June, I was an entertainment coordinator. My supervisor randomly quit. Oh, wow. Yeah. And mind you, this is an intimate job. It's about like nine people just making this work. And she quit. And it was only me and her in the entertainment department. And... Uh, like, shit, what are we going to do? This is tour season, the biggest season, summertime. Uh-huh. And then we just took on Ice Cube's basketball league, the big three. Um, and somebody had to actually be on the road with them because with the artists, they have their tour managers. But with Ice Cube, they didn't have a tour manager, mm-hmm. so they needed somebody. And then my boss was like, you want to do it? I'm like, hell yeah. Then I ended up getting a promotion, nice. entertainment director. And then went out with them, which was an amazing experience. Got to see so many cities and interact with just kind of those retired players and mm-hmm. Cube and his camp. And I really learned a lot and a lot of just growth. Um so yeah, that's kind of what I was just doing after um, everything went to shambles. Look at look at yeah. Project Pitts to high school college tours led you to that, right? Crazy, yeah, crazy. Wow, um, and it's been a blessing. And the lady starting her another company, uh-huh. and she's offering me partnership of in it, equity in it. I'm what? like, what the heck? This is crazy, you know? People believe in you, man. Yeah. So and then now finally getting back to doing Project Pit the the way that it I really envision it now yes. through of all of. All of the ways I was going, it really makes sense now, now as to how I'm able time, to structure yeah. it. Like mm-hmm. it's crazy. So that's where you're at now. That's where I'm at now. Okay. Getting Project Pit back, structuring it. Um, it's a social enterprise broken down into three components: Project Pit Entertainment, which focuses on events and content uh, for up and coming musicians and creatives. Um, then we have our Where Dreams Live programs uh-huh. that focuses on the high school students uh-huh. and Ooh. Voices of Skid Row, 
which focuses on the homeless population. Oh my God, this is so exciting. Yeah, October 20th, our Black Tie Affair. We're trying to raise the money in the capital uh, for just our operational and Oh my God, I'll be expenses. there. Yes. Um, so that's what it's just focused on right now, building up the content, uh, getting our documentary Sizzle Real together, getting my story together. And like you said, we were just kind of going as volunteers. Now I'm like, no, nah, we got to pay people. We got to yeah. do this right. Um, got our 501c3 status from a long time ago yes. when I was just doing stuff. The nonprofit. But it, it worked uh-huh. out because, like you said, it's been set up for six years. Yeah. Um, you qualify for a lot more grants if you had your nonprofit for four years or longer. Look at that. So it was just like, damn, why did I pay for this stupid nonprofit? But it makes sense now. Now. I'm just like, wow, it's crazy. How God like, is just, yeah. God works. Works. And structure and order. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for me, you know, when the YouTube channel came to an end with um, Taylor, I was like, right before that, I was praying, right? And I was just like, God, I just want you, you know, I was praying differently. I was like, I was like, God, I just want to be a vessel. I don't know what that means. I just want to be a vessel. I want to alter people's perspectives. I want to build understanding. I want my story to be relatable to someone else's. I just, I don't know what that means, right? right? So I'm praying about it, I'm praying about it. And from three different angles, a podcast came to me. Mind you, at that point, I'd only listened to one podcast ever, you know, and it just came to me and everything just made sense to me, right? I had never done audio. Like I'd never edited audio before. I never recorded. I don't know what the fuck. I still don't know (laughs) what the fuck I'm doing with audio sometimes. I just start talking, right? But I edit, I do everything myself. But Everything made sense because I'm like, wait a minute, you know, accelerated radio. I learned how to use my voice. Right. Uh, Project Pit and Spotlight. I learned how to be on camera. Um, my talk show. I learned that like content is so much m- more important than the spectacle behind me. Right. right. The the set. Um, and my show with Taylor, which was probably one of the most pivotal moments, was. I learned that I don't need a big crew. I can do this myself. Um, One of the most important things that I learned from you in all of these years was to surround yourself with people who are like-minded or who want the same things or believe in the same things, right? And um, even though I, I thought, I was like, you know what, I could do this podcast by myself, you still need someone to bounce ideas off of, right? And so for me you know, that person is Lena, right? You find someone who can look at you and see you, like really believe in you, right? And believe in in what you have to say and and in turn believe in themselves, right? right? And so that's what Lena was to me, right? That was my Project Pit volunteer (laughs) to you, right? That was a person that believes in me sometimes when I don't even believe in myself, Right. right? And so... You know, I don't, and maybe I still don't know. Well, I went to college, walked out with a lot of debt, and it did nothing for me, right? <laughs> it, college did nothing for me, let's be clear. Um, I don't use anything I learned in college now. I'm, I'm, and I'm going to talk about this one day with all of my heart. It did nothing for me. Um, but what it did do is I walked out with, you know, two important people in my life, Taylor, who is still my friend till this day, and gave me that whole year of experience, like that push, right? And then Lena, who till this day is by my side and helps me through everything, right? So everything happens for a reason. Every day I sit there and scratch my head as to why I'm indebted into this college debt. I I realize I've I've met people that I would have never otherwise met who have been a part of my story for so long. Um, And yeah, and here we are. (laughs) It's episode eight. Everything is full circle. Now, I don't know if this is my... I I mean, this is not my end-all, be-all. I don't know what the story of this podcast is going to be, but now it's also a part of my very long journey right um and this really made me think about just like the terms success and failures right i think that people very often relate success or define it by money or power or status or fame 
for me, success is different things. It's when somebody asks you, how did you get here? Tell me about your story, <laughs> right? That's success to me. It's, it's um, my offering. I think Oprah said this or maybe it was Bradley Cooper. I can't remember what I was listening to. You're offering to God, right? This is the way that I serve God. This is m- me talking, me using my voice, me, me being a vessel, me just being, uh, l- me listening to him, right? Just taking direction and guidance and trusting. This is my offering to right. him. And that to me is success because even on days when, I don't feel good enough or there's moments of self-doubt, right? I still feel aligned, you know? I feel That's like I'm in, I feel like I'm in an, an alignment, right? right? Whatever the, happens from this point on with this show, if it's two people listening, if it's 10,000, whatever it means, I feel like I'm in an, an alignment. Right. And that's amazing. And that's, that's a great success place to be in. To me. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't think I believe in failures. I'm using that word in this podcast just so that people can have some sort of like realization or like what I'm talking about. They can, right. they can as- associate with something. But I don't think I believe in failures because nothing up until this point, even though it ended, was not a failure. Exactly. It came back around. <laughs> right. That's right? crazy. Especially having this conversation, this dialogue, it made me realize like, yeah, there's really no, f- like everything has helped in some type in of some way. some type of way. To shape who you are now. And it's because of those experiences and those lessons. And of course- not repeating those same lessons twice, yeah. but seeing the beauty in it you know, over time, like looking at you, it's like, dang, we went through all of this and all mm-hmm. of that. And there's so much beauty in it, you know? And I'm like, wow. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think God makes mistakes. At all. And I don't think that if he put you through it, there's value in it. Definitely. You know, and it's being able to find that value. You don't have to find it immediately. You don't need to realize the, the reason or the meaning at that moment. You know, for me, it, it took years of realizing why Project Pit ended or just like all of these steps. It took me a long time to understand all of this, but it's having the ability to just trust him, just to know in that moment when something is happening that it's supposed to happen right. and it's going to be okay, right? Um, yeah. That's real. That's a great way to look at it. And I think that's important that we do look at it that way. And I think it allows us not to beat ourselves up so much mm-hmm. and really being grateful when things happen or when stuff happens. It's like, oh, shit, I got through that. So I know this hurts right now. And of course, you're going to cry, deal with those emotions. But I'm going to get through it because mm-hmm. I got through that. Mm-hmm. And this is going to help me get through that and that, that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, man. Yeah. So for the sake of this podcast, if we use the word failures, don't look at them as uh, like a stop. Don't look at it as a halt. Don't look at it as a fail. Don't look at it as like a, uh, like a block. You think of them as stepping stones because really it is just a stepping stone to your next thing to the next door that opens that's exactly (laughs) what that term means i would just celebrate it as a small success that's how what i would call it like it happened this is what i took from it it's a small success right to get you to that next step next step i love it i love it yeah Yeah. wow anything else you want to say nah just no such thing as failure as long as you don't stop don't stop can't stop won't stop it's a step building you forward Mm -hmm. i like that Mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm about to use that. Mm-hmm. I'm about to use I'm that. I'm about to use Kobe number eight. <laughs> right. Are you kidding me? I'm about to be in every right. podcast today. I was Kobe number eight. I was right. just zooming through life. <laughs> nah, man, but it's so much beauty in our scars. And, you know, I feel like yes. looking back at everything, it's like, dang, this hurts. And just like a, a physical scar, it's mm-hmm. like, dang, how did this happen? How did this happen? But you, you'll see the beauty in it over time. Yes. And that's why I feel like I am just appreciating all those moments that I went through. And just even this moment is just like really refreshing mm-hmm. to be like, damn, like. Did that? Yeah. We did that? Like, yo, they let us do this. They let like, us do we this. were doing this. Like, we interviewed that person, this person, this person. Like, it's stuff that, like, the average person could just imagine. You yeah. know what I mean? And just the fact that we went out to just 
go after it. Mm-hmm. I, there's so much beauty in that, and I'm just excited for what's next. Yeah, you know, honestly. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I tell everyone where they can follow you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You can follow me at Carlton Epic at Project Pit. Uh, stay tuned for our social enterprise. Just like Milana talked about, just all the things that we went through, we're shaping it into something a lot more structured and beautiful that it's going to have an impact for the millennials, the high school students, and the homeless population. Our mission is to provide arts and entertainment experiences for underserved communities. Mm. Um, so yeah, look out for us and keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love you guys so much. Don't forget to leave a rating and a review and subscribe on the podcast app and on YouTube. And we'll be back next week.